Hello, I'm Joyce. I'm June. And I'm Paula. We're the Kavanagh Sisters and we'd like to welcome you to our series of Countly and Podcasts where we continue to shine a light on childhood sexual abuse and its impacts. In today's podcast, we'll be discussing anger. This is something we're all very familiar with. We grew up in a home that was extremely angry. Yeah, he was very volatile. You never knew what would set him off. You never knew what mood he would be in when he walked through the door. I was thinking about that too, the fact that we were all so angry, we were all so hurt. Like with his volatile personality and our pain, the energy in the house must have been awful. But I don't think we would have been conscious of the atmosphere. No, and as very young kids, all of us would have been suppressing everything. You know, something else we had, Paula, we had tunnel vision. Because it wasn't safe to look in either direction. You basically looked ahead, you never looked back, and you never knew what was coming in front of you. That tunnel vision you're talking about was an expression of the total fear we lived in on yeah. a daily basis. And you are living all the time, constantly on tender hooks wondering what's going to happen and when and why and how. Yeah, and like when we describe it, and even when you remember people on our street all thought we were a very close family and a very happy family. Like we were a family of 10 and in our house there was a lot of laughter, but it wouldn't have been healthy laughter. It would have been a coping mechanism. We were very sarcastic, we were very judgmental and it was all uh, directed at others. So we were highly critical of everything and everybody. And it left it very difficult for anybody to, who was observing to see that there was anything wrong with you, other than you might be a little bit dense. <laughs> 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 like we all thought we were stupid because our behaviour conformed to that thinking. Yeah. Because it was fear driven and absolutely overwhelming fear to the point where it dulled down all of our expressions, our creativity, our ability to move forward and advance. And that was all dampened down by the fear we were in daily. But it was, it it helped convince us that, God, he's right, we are stupid. I realised why I would have had such a struggle with him being angry. Even as a grown woman, I had issues around him getting angry because when I seen him angry, I seen the one who was raping me upstairs. I didn't, I couldn't separate him the way Joyce separated. Who was raping her upstairs was one man and her dad was downstairs. To me, when he was in that angry rage, he was the man who was raping me. So that's why I think I was so afraid of his anger. And then on the flip side of that, Mammy, who never expressed emotion in her whole entire life, I thought was so amazing that she could do that. I loved the fact that he never knew if she was in pain, if she was hurt, if she was annoyed. You wouldn't know she had one expression and it stayed there forever. But I grew to love that in her because that's what I wanted to do. Because I seen the reaction she got out of him because she wasn't reacting. So there was nothing for him to do. We just storm off and give out to somebody else. And I actually think in my mind, I believed if I was able to do what she was doing, I wouldn't be a target. He'd pick on somebody else. I seen that being quiet and not giving away anything, a way of avoiding trouble. Living with that level of anger, not only that he expressed all the time our own anger, 
whether you express it or not, it's there and it was there constantly. Because I remember even having a conversation, people talk about it like it's like a simmering kettle. Well, I kind of felt like mine was more than a kettle. It was boiling and I had the lid nailed down. We all found our way to take back a bit of our power, even in, you know, tiny little ways. And they were all different, but it was, it was a way of doing it. Even up to only a few years ago, I didn't realise and I had no understanding of what was anger and that I was suppressing it. Until I did that interview with a friend of Joyce's. And I'd ask her questions just for a, co a college course. And I had to record it so that I could take notes when I went home and do a project on it. And when I went home, I put on the tape to play. And I will never forget what that did to me. Because I could hear my own voice and how angry I was when I was in no way angry when I was asking her questions. But I'm even aware from listening to podcasts and from editing and all that, I'm aware that my, my tone is completely different externally than it is in my head. And I don't know how to swap that around because it's just about it's getting different. more in touch with your, your feelings. And that's a process. You can't go from the life we've lived to just turn that off. You are unfolding that. That is happening. Every little awareness you're getting, that's happening. You're getting in touch with your feelings and your triggers. You're identifying them. And once you know yourself more and you understand your reactions, then you have empathy for yourself. I wanted to hit back at them and I couldn't. So I found my way of hitting back at them and my little daily conquest with them where I used to hide his glasses because that really pissed him off. And when I didn't hide them, he'd have them on his head looking for them. But that takes guts because the tantrum he would throw looking for his glasses frightened everybody. The actions you took would have frightened us. We would have been too afraid to do that. What did you do with your anger? I don't know what I did with my anger. I remember hating him and all that. But I was able to do that dissociation stuff really well. I, was... I, I do think you did a lot of laughing. A lot. Yeah, I did. I yeah. laughed a lot, but that doesn't... No, but it is actually a release, believe it or yeah. not. I didn't do anything, only cry. But I don't think I was acting. I think I didn't know. Yeah, I, I think, think I genuinely right. didn't yeah. know. Yeah. I can remember the very moment that I woke up. And in his statement in the courts, he, he gave a, a, a reference to each one of us. He described our personalities and he was agreeing with what he was accused of, but no more and no less. So he said, in June's case, June always thought it was a joke. And I remember being taken aback yeah. that he knew each one of us. He described us all and our personalities. And by doing that, he acknowledged that he used a different technique with each of us. When I heard that, I remember thinking, oh my God, I did think he was only joking initially. Yeah. Well, I always remember now, and you must have been four or five, and we were sitting down, and you wouldn't shut laughing, and he'd come in. As usual, shut the fuck up. He turned on the telly. Yeah, I was in his off. way. I was blocking the telly and I stood up and he was saying, sit down, you little fat cunt. Because it was a little fat fairy when he was me, when he was happy, but it was a little fat cunt when he was annoyed. He said, get out of the way. And I jumped up and stood facing him and started zigzagging. So I was really blocking him. I thought it was hilarious. I <laughs> he was the funniest man on the planet. I really did. And he was saying... Get out of the fucking way. And I'm still zigzagging and blocking his view. And I thought, oh, this is a great game. And then I remember you just pulling me scared or whatever I was wearing. And I looked at you and you said, sit down, he's going to kill you. 
And I knew by the look on your face that you were serious. And then I looked back on him and it's the first time I didn't see the joker that I thought he was. Yeah. And I remember sitting down, but it was like the penny dropped. I absolutely couldn't believe that I thought he was joking all this time. And then everything changed. Yeah. From that moment on, my life was never the same. You know, all of the boys in our house were very sarcastic and they were very good at it. It was, we thought it was hilarious now. And they learned from him, the boys all emulated him. If you didn't get in step with that, you were annihilated. They'd slag me for having no boobs, for wearing glasses, any fault, flaw, they would pick up on and my God, would they run to town with it. So I learned very quickly that you get like that or you're dead. And so I did develop a very quick tongue and a very quick wit. But I also had the edge, like the, my anger and my rage, I was able to seep out through very smart comments with people that I knew I could cut into. Now, I would know it. The minute I'd say it, I knew how harsh what I had said was. But I couldn't retract it. It was already out. And then I'd be in my head. And it was too painful in my head because I'd be calling myself names. Why did you do that? My God. And I would just cut that off. I'd have to kill myself if I carried on on that train at all. But that's how I found I got out my anger. It was in little little ways, little pieces, a little comment here, a little dig there. I don't think I ever really found an expression. As I said, all I ever did was cry. When things got too much for me, I either fainted or cried. And that was my expression. And it was only once when I had walked home with this guy that I'd liked him and I was 10 minutes late and I saw the outlook walking around the corner. So I knew he'd been out on the street looking for us. And he came over, you bollocks, fuck off. And your man just stood there in shock. He didn't know what was happening. You gee bag in and he smacked me on the back of the head. And I went in and I was shaking there with Tony An embarrassment, I mean, how old were you? Can you remember? 17. My body was trembling with temper. And I knew it was temper. And I'm hanging up my coat and he said, some smart man. I turned around and I screamed at him. Go on, hit me, you fucking bastard, hit me. And I wouldn't let it go then. Yeah. It was blurred now. It was pouring out, yeah. I was standing there. My heart was elevated. I was going, give it to him. <laughs> like, oh my God, it was great. I remember the expression oh on his face because it was the first time I ever saw fear in him. But... I also was afraid of the power I felt in doing that. I saw why I could have easily killed him stone yeah. dead. And you know, I wasn't concerned about consequences or that that was scary. I remember being absolutely physically exhausted and I was leaving home. I went upstairs to pack and I said, I'll go tomorrow. And I got into bed and fell asleep. Next morning that had all dissipated. I don't know where that power went, but I hadn't got it anyway. That happened to me once as well. And I do recall I now, looking back on it, I think like how quickly all of our lives could have changed. In one of those blind rages, and it is a blind rage, it can overwhelm you to the point where you're not, you're not responsible, you really could do anything. Yeah. It's not about who it's directed at, it's about that build-up. It is a build-up, and you've, you've never had to release because you've been told from day one, suppress, suppress, yes. suppress. And yeah. that's what you learned, and that's yeah. how you do it, and you do it really well. So all of a sudden, when you're not in a position to suppress anything, because like, it does take over you, it's that strong. Yeah. 
and when you're not in a position to, you know, put the lid on it, it's scary. I remember reading up when we were writing the book and we were doing the chapter on anger and the whole questionnaire you're getting on, and it's all about emotional regulation. So you have to regulate your emotions and those who don't are people who have suffered trauma as, as kids. I remember reading that and I swear to God, emotional regulations, I had my emotions in control. I didn't understand what they meant by that because I was thinking, I never lost it. I never hit anybody, I never screamed. I never raised my voice in the way that I would even recognise raising my voice. And I never did the crying. So as far as I was concerned, I was smack in the middle. So that chapter didn't appear to me. But I remember having my partner literally screaming at me. And I would sit there in my ivory tower going, I'm not getting into that discussion with you. When you're sober and I'm sober, we'll have a discussion. To me, that was somebody who couldn't regulate their emotions. (laughs) I were regulated. (laughs) As far as I was concerned, I was in total control. I'd pat myself on the back going, I'm glad you didn't lower yourself to that. What I felt was I would have been like the outlet. All that aggression and in your face and all that, that could never got anywhere with me. As soon as somebody got angry with me or got to that screaming stage, immediately I would go into shutdown mode. Now, I wouldn't be aware of it, but immediately I'd go back to that child thinking, oh, fuck no, I'm not dealing with this. But in my head, to, to justify as yeah. an adult, I would be thinking, good on you not doing that stupid behaviour, saying things you don't mean and having to apologise afterwards because <laughs> I wasn't able to do that either. Because as far as I'm concerned, other people had issues. If they went and sorted themselves out, I was fine. And I was a dream to live with. <laughs> In my mind, you would not get better to me. What's your problem? <laughs> now, I can honestly say I don't feel like that anymore. <laughs> Yeah, because remember you were saying you used to be thinking to yourself, like, what is the problem? I don't, I haven't screamed at you. I don't shout at you. And and why are you losing it? (laughs) You know? So when somebody was having an argument with me, I, honest to God, had no idea what they could possibly fight with me over. But I would have had the same thing with you. You know, (laughs) when you were losing it with me, I'd be going, what? Yeah. So how do you know now that you're regulated? <laughs> I know because I am no longer capable of doing what I did. Yeah. I can't put a lid on it anymore. I have to express it somehow. Even if it's physically going out for a long walk, I have to do something. Well, oh, you just have a desire now to understand it as well. And I see I'm not blaming myself anymore. Yeah. So now if, I, if somebody annoys me and I react or don't react, I can sit and go, I know what I did that there and I know why. I also now know the difference between guilt and shame, yeah. which is huge. So now I can go back and go, I was there lying there, I shouldn't have done that. Or I didn't like the way you spoke to me there. Now I feel like when you've got a couple of aha moments here today when we were talking, and I remember the last couple I'm after getting and that feeling like, well, you're kind of going, oh my God, I'm going to have to put myself through hell for years because of that. It's also, I think people, I think when you get those aha moments or you get those moments of realisation of, why you behaved in a particular way. As a child, an adult, a teenager, it doesn't matter. It's that level of respect you have for yourself when you look at why you did something and how you survived by doing that. Yeah. You're not working on your anger on its own. No, because no, we're not robots. And it is a process. And it doesn't happen overnight. And other stuff comes alongside with it. And so it should. One of the ways I'd know I've moved is if we're talking, if we're doing these talks and all that, I know which parts trigger me but now I actually see triggers as a really good thing yeah. because I learned something from yeah. them and it's like that 
aha moments even now after all we've done i know i find the pennies only dropping for me on the biggest areas for me which yeah. is the anger that understanding why you don't cry it's the, it's the letting go of all the blame that's attached to that's that. It. And they're the hardest for you because you're doing them last. Yeah. That's how you know how hard uh, they were. Because you're still working on And that's okay. I think it's great to be able to connect with the child. Because as I said, the tunnel vision, we never ever looked back. So looking back and imagining. And it's probably easier for us. Because you know when you have kids and you look at them at a particular age. Like I remember watching my kids on their daddy's lap and thinking... Jesus, by that age, yeah. I had already been raped, destroyed. Yeah. And it's great to see that there's an opposite. But then there's a kind of yearning and a grief over that. But it does help you connect with the child, which is someplace I would have never wanted to even go. Yeah. You know, it takes a bit to understand. That's all part of the learning. You can actually embrace the child because that's where the compassion and understanding comes into it. It's understanding that contradiction between growing up and doing everything you can to make yourself small and invisible. And the complete contradiction to that is you're dying for somebody to see you and Crying help you and, and notice you. And those two things are constantly clashing. But I didn't want to be seen. I wanted to be saved. I know? think when I was a young one, I wanted to be seen to be saved. I felt if they saw me, they'd see the pain. Like anger is a healthy thing. It wasn't our experience. It was always a negative and something to be afraid of and something to avoid. We've learned as adults that that's not the case. Because now I'm more concerned about the impacts having on me not saying it. Yeah. Being able to discuss your emotions, to name them, to describe how you're feeling. Even if it's to tell somebody, like, you really hurt my feelings there when yeah. you said such and such. I would now recognise not only is that a really healthy thing to do, it's an extremely courageous thing to do. In that doing that, you're actually loving yourself. And I know that can be hard for you to see in the moment. So like it's a cross between dealing with the anger and setting boundaries. Yeah, and managing your emotions better. Like I certainly would have learned to manage my emotions a lot better. And it was because like that, the consequences were just too hard yeah. on me. I mean, the know? strongest thing about it is anger is an energy, right? But it's also a camouflage for something some kind of hurt that needs to be acknowledged. And unless you acknowledge it, you're going to be expressing it negatively. The decision to heal from childhood sexual abuse places you on the most important journey of your life. You're in charge of this journey only you know what works for you and what doesn't. It takes as long as it takes because there's no rush in it and there's no fake in it. You have to feel it. And just as the ripple of pain that you're in goes out and impacts all of those around you, so does the healing. And the more you heal, the more everyone around you benefits from your healing. Thanks for listening. Hopefully some of the information we have shared will resonate with you. This will give you a deeper understanding of yourself, plus allow you to move into a space where you can show compassion to yourself. Please know that no matter how you feel or how you reacted to the abuse, it was normal. We are hopeful and optimistic that those in any position of power to bring about change will be moved into action. 
so we can finally eradicate childhood sexual abuse. So please spread the word and share the information. Thank you. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter or contact us directly on thecavanaughsisters at gmail.com. You've been listening to the Cavanagh Sisters Count Me In podcast. We're going to leave you with a quote which we carry with you throughout your day. Key to unlocking, to getting rid and moving past this anger is to get to know who you are, get in touch with your feelings and you'll find less and less use for the anger. Be gentle with yourself and understand that you're always doing the very best you can.